Hello and welcome to PMI's Uncommon Sense podcast, tools to improve your work forever. I'm Susanna Clark, Managing Partner with PMI. Our Uncommon Sense podcast is a 15-minute conversation with our expert consultants. They talk a lot of common sense, although much of it is not common practice. And that's what this podcast is all about. We want you to be inspired to improve your business through learning more about the tools which can help you succeed and grow. So today it's great to have Damien Albinson back with me in the Uncommon Sense studio. So Damien, first of all, could you introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Damien Albinson. I'm a senior consultant with PMI. Been with the business now over 10 years and I've been working in and around business improvement for over 20 years. And today we're going to talk about cause and effect. We are. And what made you want to talk about cause and effect? Why have we chosen this? Well, cause and effect is another one of these tools that you'll see within problem solving. And most businesses have some level of structured problem solving. It's sometimes in multiple places and, and processes. It's a very common technique that, again, you'll see lots of people using, lots of teams using, and also in lots of the project work that we train people to do. It's a very common technique there as well. So because it's used so frequently, I get to see more examples of sometimes where teams maybe don't get the most out of it that they could do. So I thought I should share some tips around how to improve that. I'll give you a little bit of introduction in case people aren't familiar. So cause and effect diagram, also known as fishbone diagram. Many people know it as that because the structure of it looks a bit like the skeleton of a fish. Its formal name is Ishikawa diagram, named after the person that invented it, which was uh, Ishikawa. Some people also call it a straw man. So lots and lots of different names, but it's the same tool. It's where we have two elements to it. We have an effect. Usually it's something undesirable that we want to improve. And then we have a bunch of branches sticking off on the left-hand side. Each branch has a category title. And what we put on those branches is the potential causes. So it's very much a tool to help us think our way through what's causing this undesirable effect we have, or this problem that we have. And then we can gather up lots and lots of ideas and thinking, or at least if we've done it correctly, we can. And that helps us to then navigate on from that. In Brazil, we started to make decisions about, well, which one do you think is the most likely to solve this and so on and so forth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are we going to go next kind of thing? So, yeah, I think a technique that they don't use is to actually use the model itself. Now, that might seem strange thing to say, but the whole thinking behind using the actual diagram that you have, you know, the, the skeleton of the fish, so to speak, is it forces the way in which we think about the causes this is especially important if you're using it to try and tackle variation. So we would say in some of our training, you know, this is a technique used to tackle what we call common cause variation, which is always uh, variation is a consequence of usually several things all changing at the same time in a process. So particularly when you're dealing with variation, there will be more than one cause. And that's often true, even if you're not trying to tackle variation. So Let's say you and I were going to do one of these cause and effect diagrams and you might just have, uh, let's say we're going to try and reduce variation in how long it takes you to get to work. You might go, well, it's just this one thing, this terrible route I travel on and it's, you know, it's horrendous. There's all these red lights and pedestrian crossings. Well, that of course is a perfectly valid potential cause, but I would argue that there are going to be more than just that. 
Right. So what I want you to do, if I'm the facilitator, what I'm wanting that group of people to do is think outside their own narrow channel of their view of the problem. So the branches have these usually predetermined categories on the top. So we, we have the environment. So we say, what is it in the environment within which the process operates that caused the effect? What is it with regards to the material that's being used? Or if you're working in a transactional process, we could talk about data, you know, accuracy, data, cleanliness, that kind of stuff. The equipment that's being used. So in manufacturing, you'd be talking about the tools and the machinery and service. You'd be talking about things like software and hardware. There's the people themselves. So is there something about the operator that could cause the issue? Maybe it's the training they've had, you know, how well they follow standards and so on. And then there's the method, the actual way in which the process is done now. There's often other industries that add on extra branches that's something that's pertinent to them. So the way that I like to get groups to put some good quality thought into these sorts of approaches is to spend maybe five minutes on each branch one okay. at a time. So you kind of then forced your mind to have to go, right, what could it be about the equipment? Let me think about that for a little bit. Now I'm going to think about materials. Now I'm going to think about the environment. So you work your way around the branch and each person will come up with different theories on that branch, even though it probably wasn't their initial gut feel. And as a consequence of doing that, you end up with loads of theories coming out. And we, we always say, if you've done a, a pretty decent cause and effect, we'd expect there to be 50 to 100 theories on there by the end. So it's always very disheartening when people show them and they've got like five theories on it, you know, <laughs> one on each branch or something. So where tools mess it up is they do the brainstorming just as an open problem statement, what's causing this effect. They gather up all these theories and then after they spend time then trying to put those theories on the right branch, get into arguments about, no, that's not method, that's people or whatever. And that's not helpful because the tool wasn't designed to organize your theories. The tool was actually there to try and we call it divergent thinking. They're trying to make us think more broadly of all of the possible reasons rather than just being stuck in that rut without our current thinking. Another issue I think I've seen teams make with cause and effect, and this is again, very common in problem solving. We are born problem solvers. Well, I think we are anyway. We tend to mentally jump from a, a problem straight to a solution, which is just how we've evolved. We problem solve in that way, usually through trial and error. And so cause and effect is a technique where we're trying to be analytical about the problem. We're, we're trying to say, look, let's really try and get all of our thinking on the table first. Let's get it out there. And then from there, we discuss what to investigate further. Some people just can't help themselves because they're thinking about solutions. They're thinking, how can I solve this rather than what's all the possible reasons that might be causing it so you do often get people writing down solutions i'm okay with that in the sense that so long as someone's noticed that put it to one side or often spend a little bit of time with that person who wrote it to reverse their thinking back to if they've written a solution they must believe that something's wrong or something's causing the effect therefore this solution is required to take that away so they've still got a theory they still do have a theory. They've just described it in the wrong way. So sometimes you can get them to backtrack and say, well, we need new equipment. You say, well, what's wrong with the existing stuff? Oh, well, it's old and it's out of date or it's too slow. Ah, right. There's your theory. Particularly if you're working with a team who are new to the whole concept of problem solving and aren't familiar with this theory that actually the best thing to do is to come up with lots of information and then start to whittle it down rather than come up with one thing and head towards it, then actually 
the cause and effect diagram is a really good way of getting them to break out of that thinking. Yeah, especially when they've done it and a potential cause appears that a lot of people in the room may say, oh, that's even probably more likely than my pet theory. And I hadn't even thought about it. So when that happens, people often suddenly value using that sort of approach because they understand that things will emerge from it that wouldn't have happened had they not spent the time trying to just be analytical about it and say, what were all the possibilities before we get too excited about just one of them? Probably final tip on cause and effect is the detail that you put onto the effect. Sometimes people, their thinking is probably there, but what they write down isn't ideal. So they might just write a single word. So go back to our, you know, what's causing variation, the time we get to work. And someone might just say, time of day. I don't understand what the theory is there. Now, what they might go on to say as well, if depending on what time you leave in the morning, this the time of day could cause the journey time to change, probably due to the amount of traffic on the roads. That's the real theory. So just saying time of day doesn't really tell me what the theory is. And the way that I advise people is for every cause that you've written down, assuming that you're doing this on post-it notes or something similar, for every cause that you've written, you should be able to kind of pluck it off the cause and effect diagram and stick it right next to the effect and one should read into the other. So you say this thing, cause, is causing the effect, which is also written as a statement. So if those flow into one another, it's a valid causal theory they've written down. But if it's just a single word, tires cause variation in how long it takes me to get to work. You go, what? So tell me more. What's your real theory there? But that's important because the next step, once you've done the cause and effect, is so what next? Now I've got this model in front of me, 50, 100 theories on there. Now what? Because we can't go and investigate all of them. We just wouldn't have time to do that in a project or certainly in day-to-day running of a business. And there's a couple of ways you can proceed from there. A simple way is to give everyone a certain number of votes, assuming you're doing this as a team. So you might say each person's got, you know, four or five votes each. You cast them independently of each other, and then you simply work from the one that's got the most votes on there. Now, people sometimes say, but what if we get it wrong? What if we pick the wrong theory? So whichever method you've used to proceed, PDSA, Plan, Do, Study, Act, is our approach for business improvement. You'll hear us talking about it in lots of podcasts and videos and so on, or webinars. And that's the real linchpin that avoids this being worried of picking the wrong one, because you should then go and validate that this cause we had, which is just a theory at this point, really is the effect. Or maybe it's not. Maybe it turns out that it sounded like it was, but when we looked into it further, we couldn't find any, any evidence to support it. So it will come out in the wash. You will eventually discover which ones really were the root cause and which ones maybe sounded plausible, but the evidence didn't seem to support. And that therefore makes it an iterative process. You might end up with five theories that come out on top when you vote. You could go and look into all of those, test them out and find out that none of them were true. Okay, well, back to the cause and effect. 95 theories are there to get with, right? Let's re-vote, do the next thing. And if people really knew that some of them were more probable than others, then the likelihood is that they'd get selected first or that there would be some evidence that points us to say, we probably want to look at these ones here. It's hard to say precisely how to move forward with a cause of that. But one thing I wouldn't advise is to simply go and assume that the ones you voted on are indeed the root and then start jumping into solutions again, because that's dangerous. That just means that 
we could be totally wrong. We don't want to move too quickly with that assumption. So in summary, what you're saying is use the framework, use that fishbone diagram and make sure that you complete and give everyone time to complete each of the bones on the fish. Align each of the causes with the effect, which I really like that idea. Can you clearly see that what's written here has this effect? I think that's a really great tip. Use voting to get some sense of which is the most likely and use PDSA to make sure you don't jump to massive conclusions and start implementing solutions before you're really sure you've tested them. Indeed. Adam, my final tip, just to add on to that list, as a really nice summary, would be to maybe get people, certainly during the brainstorming side of it, to do that silently, just because you'll get more theories out. If people are going into discussion on every single possible cause, it can take over the thinking process for people. They're not generating theories when they're listening to someone talk about their theory. So I like to always get teams to do it silent. And then once the theories are written down, then we could ask questions for clarification and do all of that. Generally, you'll find that shortens the process and increases the quantity. Thank you so much, Damien. Really appreciate your time to stay on this. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find more episodes of our Uncommon Sense Tools to Improve Your Work Forever in our Knowledge Hub on our website or, of course, your favourite podcast platform. And do subscribe so you never miss an episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode where you'll find links to more content on this topic, which includes webinar recordings, toolbox guides, blogs and infographics and our training page. You can always drop us a line on team at pmi.co.uk and arrange a time to have a call to talk about how these tools can help you in your organisation. We'd really love to hear from you.